Hello there, film fans and podcast lovers, and welcome to a brand new podcast, uh, a venture by myself and my good friend Will, who you may know as At Hugh Game Shows. Uh, we were talking about this for a while, and we've basically decided to do a podcast talking about films. We both love film. Uh, we're both mm -hmm. film geeks, and not to sort of blow my own trumpet, but I do actually have a film studies degree, which I <laughs> almost never use. But, uh, yeah, so we're going to be here for the next, I think, six weeks. Uh, yeah. We've chosen three films each, two films that we think have good reputations and two that we think are not necessarily so well regarded. Um, hopefully that will keep things interesting for you and uh, keep you talking about the conversation about you know what you think of these films and such. Uh, we have asked for a little bit of uh, you know what your opinions are that we'll talk about in the episode, but when they go live, there's nothing stopping more of the discussion happening. Uh, if you've been keeping up with our socials, they are there now, they are live and active. Uh, and we have revealed what the first film we'll be reviewing is. Uh, it was my choice, as you might can tell, if you know me at all. Um, and it was to choose to watch Superman the movie from 1978. So um, before we started, though, a bit of sad news. Uh, we are recording this on uh, June the 14th, on a Monday. Um, and with some horrifically bad timing, we just got news yesterday that sadly we lost uh, the actor Ned Beatty. Um, who played Otis, Lex Luthor's sidekick in Superman, um, among many other things. He had a fantastic sort of scene-stealing performance in um, Network. Uh, he was even the voice of Lotso Hugging Bear in Toy Story 3 and countless other sort of character actor roles and stuff throughout the years. I think he was actually really good in what could have been a thankless role in Superman, but um, I just couldn't have started a Superman podcast without saying you know especially since it's so fresh just yesterday uh rest in peace to ned Beatty and uh thoughts to his friends and family and let's all remember Absolutely. his uh let's remember his good work and watch some of his his films and uh you know let the legend can live on that way uh and speaking of which i also wanted to personally i know it's not as fresh but i wanted to give a shout out to two of my personal heroes who were the two stars of this film who have since passed away to uh, christopher reeve and margot kidder who to me uh, spoiler alert, remain the definitive Clark Kent, Superman, and Lois Lane, um, and who have meant a lot since my childhood. And uh, th those were some celebrity sort of deaths that when they hit, when they happened, they hit me really hard. Um, never had the, the pleasure of meeting either of them or anything, but I do have a sort of reproduction signed Christopher Reeve Superman photo in my room that has pride of place. And uh, yeah, they're sorely missed, but again, uh, they, they did a lot more work outside of Superman, but I just think they're so good in these roles that that's what yeah. kind of always stuck with me. So, again, rest in peace to, to Christopher and to Margot. Uh, right, and with that unpleasantness out of the way, <laughs> um, we will uh, move on, and I will say, so obviously I have seen Superman 1978 many times in many different versions. Um, the version that I watched just before this podcast was the three-hour extended cut, which I've never seen before, which was the, the reason that I watched it, and which it should be noted even before watching the film is apparently not the director's preferred version. It was put together by the producers, and they have a little bit of a conflict going on, which I'm sure I'll get into. Um, so there are a lot of scenes restored for that that I can go over, but just to um, clarify, it's, it's it, the preferred version, I would say, is the director's cut or the special edition, which I think is the one that you watched for the very first time, Will. Yeah. Um, I watched the two hours 24 one, so I'm not quite sure which one I, that, I believe that's the, yeah, it, it's called, I think, the special edition, but that's like Richard Donner's favoured uh, version okay. of things. Um, so you watched probably the best choice out of the three options because there was I the just... one released, the one released in theatres was a bit shorter. 
uh, cut a few things out. And then there's the one where Richard Donner restored a few things. And then he says himself, the three hour cut, not really what he would want his name attached to. And I can kind of see why, because it does, having watched it, it does completely screw up the pacing of the movie. And uh, the additional scenes don't add a huge lot to it. I'm pleased I own it because as, as a super fan, it's nice to have there and to be able to, but I would still say the definitive version of the film was the one that you watched, Will, so we're not okay. missing out anything there. So um, just uh, before we get into it then, since it was the first time that you uh, were strong-armed into watching the film, what are your <laughs> thoughts on the movie just uh, to start with? I surprisingly really enjoyed it. Of course, I'm a fan of Classic Who, so the date and age here did not kind of throw me off at all as i as we spoke offline about this um a lot of people just don't give it a chance because it's so old yeah and i i love some old films i think um the chris kringle one that that movie the christmas yeah, movie Street. exactly that one love that film so i have no prejudice um for justice or prejudice, prejudice against that's yeah, the word, yeah. against old films so yeah i couldn't care less about that and surprisingly some things really hold up well and yeah. mingled with a really good story and some terrific acting. I uh, thoroughly enjoyed it my first time, and I'm glad you got me to watch it. Awesome. I'm, and I'm pleased you enjoyed it, because it's a film that means, like I said, a lot to me. And I know not everybody does respond to it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if we're picking nits, then it is. It's a very 1970s film. You can tell it's, it's a product mm. of its time. But, again, having said that, when you look at what it did achieve in 1978, I think you can't underestimate that. Um, I mean, the production design on everything from kind of the planet Krypton to the special effects and the Smallville scenes, it's, it's all really, really good to the point that um, I believe the makers of the film were annoyed that the production designer wasn't nominated for an Oscar for it because... Oh, yeah, uh, Krypton was fantastic, the the yeah. whole design. And I'm sure we'll get there, but when it was being destroyed, yeah, with the yeah. exception of, like, one shot, like, one kind of area, I thought it just looked really fantastic. And even today, to today's standards, it could pass for today. It looked really good. Completely. And when you think it's it's a contemporary of sort of Star Wars and Close Encounters, these were the sort of trifecta of sci-fi films, I think, in the late 70s that made everyone like, oh, wow, you can actually do at least semi-convincing science fiction, but it's also yeah. worth noting about the Krypton stuff that it's so impactful that it's literally how we still see Krypton and everything now. There's lots of things that were only, that you would think come from the comic books, but that were only actually implemented for this movie, which have now just become accepted law for Superman. So that's everything from Krypton being like a crystalline planet um, and that being why the Fortress of Solitude looks like sort of crystals. Uh, which also looks fantastic. Yeah, for, oh, I love the Fortress of Solitude set. Absolutely, yes. completely. Yeah. Um, to uh, even the idea, which apparently, I, I think I read somewhere, was put forward by Marlon Brando, that the S symbol is actually the family crest of the House of L, uh, rather than just mm. being Superman's logo. And then that translates to, okay, everyone has their own family crest in the center of their Kryptonian costume, which again, that's just accepted law now. But if at the time it wasn't, and it's a cool little unique idea that I like. Um, mm. So yeah, yeah. Uh, just getting into the, the, the we'll start with the, the general sort of structure of the film then and say that the, another thing that I personally liked, and I'm not sure how you responded to it, is how the film kind of has a three-act structure within the three-act structure, if that makes sense. So you can you can very much break it down to Krypton, Smallville, Metropolis. Um, and fair enough, the mm -hmm. bulk of that takes place in Metropolis, in which you also get the three acts there of kind of set up threat, initiate threat, resolve threat as well. But, yeah. 
Um, I, I always used to love the epic nature of it, that it does take us through kind of all of Superman's life from kind of the baby on Krypton to, you know, ultimately what he does to save Lois in the end. So what did you think of the structure and the general sort of formatting of the way that it was? I haven't even thought about that, to be honest with you. Really? <laughs> yeah. No, I I, I didn't put, uh, pick out on that. I just went scene by scene and I thought, yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, I, I didn't notice that. Fair enough. I just know a lot of people have ha sort of take issue with the fact that something that I like and some people don't is that it takes the time to introduce like the, the backstory of Krypton and then sort of the even my mum says she doesn't like the stuff in Smallville because it's too slow and I completely disagree. I think that's vital to the story of Clark from everything from kind of we briefly see he's got a kind of crush on Lana and resents not being able to use his powers. Arguably, uh, that's, the best, uh, that's the best part of the film. It might be yeah. in the first half hour. Yeah, I completely agree. Well, I love, yeah, Krypton and Smallville, I think, are probably the stronger parts of the three different bits. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, and, and the impact of Clark losing his father is so central to everything that, yeah. you know, he can't he can't save his dad from death, that that becomes his guiding motivation to ultimately do something about it when Lois does die at the end. Spoiler alert. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I mean, I, as I said, I, I'm a sucker for that. And not that you've seen this movie, but I think it, it says a lot that Man of Steel, which was the kind of next attempt to do a Superman origin, also spends the first half hour of its uh, of its film on Krypton. It's a lot more sort of sci-fi and modern and up-to-date, but it's it's interesting that it doesn't sort of immediately start with, okay, this is Superman and we'll talk about his backstory in drips and drabs. I think it's important that you see it and it's been handled very well. Um mm. So, yeah, but speaking of those scenes at the beginning, I'm presuming the version that you watched begun with the sentencing of the three Kryptonian criminals. Uh, yes. General Zod, yes. Non yeah. um, for, for the first time viewing this movie, were you not curious what that was all about? Or do you already know kind of what happens there? I, I genuinely had no idea. I just thought um, the council's decision just to execute them or exile them or however you want to say it, however they were. Were they exiled or were they they were just sent off into space, weren't they? They were uh, sent to the Phantom Zone, uh, which, again, it's an idea that I think may have originated with this movie or it was very fresh at the time, uh, okay. which has appeared multiple times since. And it's kind of like, uh, it, it varies in its depiction, but it tends to be like it's another dimensional place where you are alive, but you don't age and you're kind of always being tormented by phantoms and things. And mm. uh there's various different versions of that, which, as I say, in the film, they describe it as it's a living death, which is yeah. kind of the it, it, that's why it's the harshest punishment. But even Jarrell says, well, yes, but that still gives them a chance of life, which we don't have. Uh, it gave me a strong know. five doctors vibe. Really? Uh, un unfavorable vibe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. With the actual um, the diamond effect. Yeah. 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 Um, it's I like it, but it's just I think that's literally just because it, it, I've seen it since i was a kid and when yeah. you're a kid anything that captures your imagination like that when you see the three criminals like flattened in the diamond and screaming to be out i was like what is this it's so <laughs> weird um but did you not sort of wonder why none of that was resolved by the end of the movie it, it was i um, it was really weird but i think it just helps with um the, it helps formulate the council and their motives kind of and marlon brando i think marlon brando was really good for the role the on-screen role he was given of course you can say he came back here and there during the film's course but when he was actually on screen i think he had a oh, really wow. strong presence i'll get and into I marlon think, brando yeah definitely i've got lots to say about that and i just think his ruthlessness at the start and his eagerness for people to get off the planet i just think it establishes character really well 
when he sentenced those um the criminals to the space prison or wherever you said it was going to be phantom zone. <laughs> the phantom zone yes um yeah 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 i i liked it see the thing that the, the reason that i brought it up was because and it, it's not really a spoiler to say this but it's basically sequel setup which i wasn't sure how it would because i've never known any difference so i wasn't sure how it would sit with you seeing this for the first time because in the sequel those three kryptonian uh villains escape and superman has to fight them um that makes sense yeah yeah but that comes down to one of the first little sort of bits of trivia that i wanted to mention that I'm, I'm not sure how much kind of research you've done or if you know about this but um the idea that they filmed superman one and two back to back as one big thing back to the future that's interesting uh yeah like back to the future matrix all that kind of thing um there were problems in that that i'll get into but basically the reason for the kryptonian criminal appearing and stuff was that the ending of this film was going to originally be very different um, and it was going to end with instead of kind of Superman doing the controversial, you know, spinning the world around and reversing time, it was going to end with him throwing one of the nukes that he has to stop into space, which would then blow up and the Phantom Zone would be hit by it because it was passing by and that okay. would free the, that would free the prisoners, um, which ultimately they have to do in a different way at the start of the theatrical version of Superman 2 because they've changed the ending to this one. Um, and that's the other thing I wanted to get into, which is that these films were filmed almost at the same time, but there was huge clashes between the director, Richard Donner, and the producers, uh, Alexander and Ilya Salkind, uh, which led to Richard Donner basically being removed from Superman 2, even though he'd already filmed large chunks of it. Um, hmm. So in, I can't remember the year now, but relatively recently, um, they released Superman 2, the Richard Donner cut, which is kind of like the original version of the Snyder Cut for, that you might know all about from uh, recent years, uh, whereby Richard Donner took all the stuff he filmed, uh, as little as possible of the stuff that the replacement director did to make his own vision of the film, uh, which I, I think is... is I, I like both versions of Superman 2, but I think Donner's version is better, with the exception that it ends with Superman turning back time by flipping around the world because that was the original ending of two. And then they just cropped that, sorry, for, for Superman one and uh, nicked it and were like, oh, we'll come up with a different ending for two. It'll be fine. Um, and then never got around to it, obviously. Well, they did in the theatrical version, but Richard Donner never did make it. So it kind of ends up that if you watch that after this one, then you're like, oh, he's doing that again? It <laughs> seems like an odd choice. But uh, again, I don't want to get too much into that because we're not really discussing Superman two, although it would be fascinating to. Uh, one, to talk yeah. about it and to do a compare and contrast of maybe the two versions but uh, I just think it's interesting that Richard Donner did such a good job in my opinion on this film uh, and the guy they brought in to replace him Richard Lester uh, made a lot of changes to Superman 2 that basically brought in much broader comedy uh, and some kind of ridiculous moments uh, and then he himself was director completely of Superman 3 at which point for me it just goes completely over the top um, so basically I think this the direction by Richard Donner in this film, I think, is faultless. Uh, and I was mm. curious what you thought about the, the directing choices and stuff. Again, uh, the direction I didn't really point out. I think the, the way he captured the scenery was fantastic. All the money shots, I would I would class them as, um, especially after uh, the father died and after the funeral where he's with his mother and he's saying goodbye. Yes. And you have, um, there's a lot of headroom above the hug, and you can see the landscape. I just think that was superb. Yeah, and it's gorgeous. It's, the general uh, cinematography, the, the use of the location, superb. I can't fault it really. And the set yeah. design. 
I remember reading, and I can't remember if this was something that was said on the set or just reviewers or whatever said afterwards that Smallville should look like a Norman Rockwell painting. And mm. I think this film really captures that. Like you really get the sense that you're in that sort of Southern state, ideal kind of blissful place. But uh, yeah, anyway, so uh, just quickly then, did you believe that a man could fly? <laughs> um, I, I could not and, until I saw it and I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. But then I, I like he was in the uh, what do you call it? Uh, I'll get it. He was in the Fortress of Solitude, and yeah. his father, his real father, quote unquote, sure. real father, comes up. Yeah, and it's like, oh, I gave you this and some stuff that you don't even know of yet. And then it kind of just cuts back to uh, Clark, and he's just flying. And I think that was a bit abrupt. You know what I mean? It was like it was. It happened really fast. He's just this ordinary guy walking about, and then he's just flying. And I think. It makes, I see what they're trying to go for. It's like a big reveal that he is Superman. He's got the cape on, he's flying. But then I just think it was a bit abrupt in my opinion. And that kind of leads into another thing I had to say about this one. Why was he so, he was like very much like when he was a teenager, an ordinary teenager with teenager motives, just like mm -hmm. human motives. He was very human when he was a teenager, except from, of course, the fast running. Uh, so then, why does he turn into a bumbling idiot when he um, when he's playing the kind of quote unquote alter ego? These are all things ego. that are. Um, I'm going to sound like I'm just defending it and arguing with you, but these are all things that are explained, I think, in the film. But they're mm. either explained at the wrong time or they're just glossed over. Um, so the flying thing is literally mentioned in Krypton scenes at the start um, mm. when they're sending him to Earth. Uh, Jor-el says to Lara, he will defy their gravity. Uh, which means he could always basically fly in this version, at least. Um, there's numerous bits of Superman lore and stuff like um, Smallville, for example, which spends 10 years dealing with how and why he learned each individual power at what time mm. and stuff. But the film's not going to get into that, you know. My, my um, point was like with Doctor Strange, I watched that the other day and yeah. it was like uh, Benedict Cumberbatch slowly getting the ability to use his powers. Yeah, and all this shows really is a monologue, and then he goes from this ordinary teenager to this su superhero, and I just think that could have been done a bit better. And I, again, I'll just get my criticisms over and done with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what you just said about um, it was kind of glossed over. Yeah, I think some some bits of the plot were kind of beaten over your heads with like a bat. It's like okay, I know now. I now know what this means, and then this, the bits that were actually important they were kind of just glossed over like you just have to accept and i just think the bits that they actually focused on telling us didn't need to be told but the things that should have been told to us weren't if that makes sense yeah that's interesting i'm not sure what what's in what version but i'm not sure if you saw the scene where you say kind of it superman's just a regular dude and then becomes the big superhero but there is the scene at least in the one i've seen a few times where Jarrell um sort of psychically projects him almost out of the solar system and it's revealed mm. that he, he spends 12 years in the fortress learning you know what he can do and all about the the galaxy and everything like that um so mm. it's not like an instant thing it literally is like this is 12 years of time where the consciousness or whatever of his father is, is t talking him through it and everything um but in a way i get that you're kind of right in that the mythos of these comic book characters is so vast and we never really even learn you know the the real story of where his costume comes from or why he decides to do these things even though there is a scene once he's already started saving people which is sort of Jarrell saying yes you liked it it's fine you know we we need you to 
be the beacon, but you have to keep your identity secret. And again, you're right. At that point, he's already kind of he's already formulated the Clark Kent identity to be so different that it kind yeah. of feels like that scene needed to be before he got to Metropolis, like mm -hmm. the inspiration for that, because I think Christopher Reeve is fantastic. He's one of the only times that I truly believe that nobody can believe that Clark Kent is Superman because they are so different. And they they like he transforms for me in just a performance of like just crouching and doing his hair different and talking in a different way. Um, yeah. that it really genuinely does seem like two completely separate characters when he's Clark Kent and Superman. I think it's just it's the glasses in terms of appearance and just his persona and the acting. I think mm. those two things combined just are so immersive and completely different to each other. It just completely works. And I think that's a testament to the performance of Christopher Reeve. He was superb in this. By far the yeah. standout for me. <laughs> no pun intended. But uh, yeah, no, that's, the, mm. I mean, I don't think there's a finer masterclass in just physical acting than when he's he's returned to Lois as Clark and you can see he's thinking about revealing who he is to her. And all he does is take off the glasses and stand up straighter and change his voice to be more booming. But he's like, yeah. Lois, I have to tell you. And it's like, wow, that you've literally transformed and all you've done was the simplest of physical like things. And, and this is a different character now. Um, mm. But anyway, <laughs> so but in, term, in terms of like what I was saying, because they marketed this film as, uh, you know, you, you will believe a man can fly. So uh, and I, I personally think, again, remembering it's 1978, the flying effects of the film are flawless. I never sort of think, oh, you can see a wire there or you can see that that's CSO or whatever, uh, green screen or blue mm. screen. Um, did it's you a bit feel choppy here and there. It's a bit choppy here and there, you know. It's like abrupt movements. It's not very smooth sometimes. But for, for the most part, I completely agree. Uh, you saw no wires. You saw no platforms. And when they were um, flying, Louis and um, Superman, when they were flying together hand by hand, I just thought that looked amazing. Like that's better than some stuff that's shown today. I think the CGI, yeah. it was very hit or miss, the CGI in general. Well, it's I not think... really CGI because that didn't really exist at this point. It's all um, green screen work Go and uh, yeah, clever yeah. use of that. Yeah, okay, then green screen, you know, however you want to, uh, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. I, I just I just think it was very hit or miss, uh, but when it, they did it right, it was superb. And yeah, uh, we won't get to the Earth scene later, for later on. That looked terrible and some scenes at the start. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, flying, I've, uh, I'm aware though that I've um, I've skipped over because you, you started talking about kind of Marlon Brando um, and that will take us back to the kind of Krypton scenes where mm. I wanted to say that um, I really love Brando's performance in this and it's always really resonated with me and all of his quotes and lines have become so ingrained in my pop culture memory and stuff and, and touched my heart in such a way um, that I was kind of devastated to learn later on that to all intents and purposes, he was a bit of a jerk. <laughs> Apparently on set, he didn't want to do any work. He was um, supposedly turned up and said, we don't know what Kryptonians are like, so can't I just pretend I'm a green bagel or a suitcase and just do a voice thing? Um, because, you know, a lot of people have said that he wanted to get as much money as possible for his little work, and he wasn't really invested in it. Um, apparently he's reading the lines off the baby's nappy um, during the scene when he's putting Clark in. And again, that kind of saddens me in the regard that those scenes are so important to me, even if they weren't to him. But then yeah. again, it's perhaps a testament to how good an actor he is that even when he's on autopilot, 
I'm genuinely yeah. thoroughly impressed by it and thought it was good. I'm not surprised because in that scene, I didn't notice he was just fixated on like one part and it just must have been his lines. Like yeah. he wasn't moving much or like he wasn't moving his eyes. And I thought that makes much more sense to me now because I would just thought it was a bit, you know, it wasn't bad acting at all. It was actually really impressive if he was just doing off the fly. But it's just like, okay, there could have been more emotion put into this if he actually knew the scripts. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know if I, if I necessarily agree, but again, I just think I was always wowed by that performance and I would have said personally before I knew it, oh, wow, he's doing really great stuff. And yet, as I said, for him not supposedly being all that bothered and not being invested, it's become so important to me on a personal level that I can't say it's a bad performance. And yet mm. I kind of want to because I don't want to reward laziness, if that makes sense. And I know yeah. um, Christopher Reeve has done chat show appearances and stuff where he says that, Brando just didn't care about the work and he was a complete jerk to them. And that's why they, they kind of never got on after the making of the movie. And uh, I'm with Christopher Reeve on that, you know, because for somebody who, in his case, carried the film and put in such 100% commitment to it and believed it and everything, it's got to be yeah. galling to see someone like Brando be like, oh, yeah, whatever. Um, mm. I do think Christopher Reeve outacts him, but I think Christopher Reeve outacts everybody in the film. <laughs> Um, yeah, though, uh, Louis, the actress who played Louise, um, Lois, I'll, I'll Lois, Lane, Louis, Lois, yeah, Louise. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, yeah, she was superb. And one of my notes, Kiddo, yeah. I, yeah, when I, I, if the people that I don't know, I accidentally, well, I, I didn't accidentally, um, my notes just didn't save this time around. So, because I deleted to my storage again. Um, so, I don't have my notes with me today. But one of my notes, I do remember it was, it was, it could have been very easy for her to overact in this because um yes. it's like a sidekick uh reacting to wondrous things like flying in the sky being uh the girlfriend or love interest of superman it was so easy to overact but when she was angry when she was frustrated when she was happy when she was in awe she was superb and i think she she was the definitely second best to christopher but i think she was fantastic and um she played her role very well she does uh, again can't say enough good things i completely agree with you um i don't necessarily love the sort of um the poem recital with them flying in the sky and it all gets very romantic. Uh, the voiceover um i don't know if that's because as i said I've, the first time i saw this film and I, I was so young and i think it must have been a question of uh, you know in the middle of all the superheroes and stuff i was like oh girls and boys ah, romance <laughs> i don't want any of that um because looking back at it now it's actually not as bad as i kind of used to recall um, I, the, I didn't know. It, it felt very tacky for me. I was just like, "Get to the action! I want to see the action! I don't want to see these two oh, yeah, awkwardly flirting." <laughs> it's tacky when they're actually, like I said, I don't think the poem belongs in the movie at all. Um, and the sort of no. scenes of them flying together could have probably been cut down. But I would say that every sort of because of the chemistry and the acting chops of the both of them, every last bit of the interview scene, uh, I wouldn't lose any of that. I think that's flawless. Yeah. Um, it's just a shame because they, they, I think that could have stood on its own and you'd believe that there was enough of a kind of romantic chemistry there just from that and from some of the exactly. clever the clever writing of kind of, um, you know, little flirty things like, uh, can oh, you tell me what... pants am I wearing? My colour pants, yeah. And then just the, the, the last thing that, that it would have occurred to me to write in the end of that scene would be him saying, oh, that you're wearing pink underwear and then her saying something completely different and then chiming in with, do you like pink? Which is just basically a way of like, are you interested in me without actually saying it? 
Um, which again, yeah. I think a lot of the writing that, that's only one small example, but I think a lot of the writing and the story and uh, the dialogue, I think, of the film sparkles really well, even now, uh, many, many years later. Um, and, so. and her performance as well when Superman flies off because she was going in for the kiss and then he, he just flies away. And then you actually have Clark come through the door and knocking on the door and then he has to put in his uh, more some laid back performance. And I just thought, like, if it was seamless, like if this wasn't a movie, if this was real life, you would just think that's so convincing. And again, it's just an acting thing. And I thought, well, um, I did have something I wanted to bring up about that scene because it's something Ooh. that I didn't know for years. Um, but okay. in terms of in terms of how they did it, the special effects, and you can, if you ever watch it again, you can look for this now. Um, the way they were able to do it also quick is that Superman flying away is just a rear projection. They're just projecting that onto like a back wall of a set. Um, really, so he's, he's not really there, so that's how he's able to like fly off and then clocks at the door, fully ready and changed like seconds later, um, because Superman was never on set like Christopher Reeve as Superman that earlier. And I was like, yeah. that is. That is absolutely you Super. cannot you cannot see the join in that scene. If you hadn't told me that's how they did that, I would not believe you. <laughs> no, I just so, thought it was split screen. Did not expect that. Again, the window looks really well. It's, it's nineteen seventy eight, and to have something that looks that that flawless, like I said, it, it's just so impressive. The other thing I wanted to to briefly talk about was that um, when Clark kind of gets to Metropolis and Superman starts doing his hero stuff, um, there's one scene in particular where he stops uh, Lewis. He stops a mugging between like Lewis and, and the guy with a gun, uh, and it, he makes yeah. it look like he fainted, but he actually kind of stops the gun with his hand in typical Superman fashion. Uh, and it's so it's such an iconic scene that, and I don't know if you've seen uh, Wonder Woman, the the recent movie. Um, yeah. They literally almost copy that beat for beat in Wonder Woman, where um, somebody shoots at Steve Trevor and she basically puts the the bracelet of power in front of him and it deflects the bullet. Uh, and Patty Jenkins, who directed that, has said it's because her touchstone for any superhero cinema is uh, Dick Donner, Richard Donner's work on Superman. Uh, and okay. I, I completely, I can completely see that. And a lot of those kind of hero scenes for me are so iconic and so ingrained in me that I can't look at them objectively. But as a viewer watching it for the first time, did were you sold? Or did you think some of it was a bit kind of hokey or? Uh, what specifically? Well, just there's kind of the montage. So it starts with him kind of stopping the mugging and pretending to faint, which is... Oh, so, okay. Uh, so again, this is one of my... Pro yeah, there's problems and there's positives with this. First of all, I love each sequence. I, mm -hmm. I love the whole montage. <clears throat> uh, that being said, I wish there was more emphasis to show that that was a montage because to me... I thought it was just meant to be like one after the other. This is uh, his night's work. And I just thought mm. if with a few transitions, like a fade and some, maybe some more emphatic music, it would have been more clear because how it was edited in this film, it made me sort after some filler scenes here and there. Like uh, when to stop the, I think he dropped someone off by the police and had mm. that scene. And I wish we had that scene in between each heroic save or, again, oh, just did. make the montage more obvious. We had it twice, but then we had about four saving scenes, and I just wish we had four filler scenes as well. But, again, one of the positives I did have quickly uh, was the scene, was the, com the comedy aspect of the plane scene, the aeroplane scene, oh, where he saves the aeroplane, yeah, yeah. and he, he just turns to the co-pilot and he says, don't look out the window. We have something. I don't know what it is, but we have something. <laughs> just go with it. 
I, I love ain't saying season. what, but we got something. Just fly. Yeah. <laughs> Just fly. It's, it's great. And again, I think it's it's testament to how different as directors Richard Donner and Richard Lester, who directed two and three, are that that kind of comedy I think plays incredibly well in this movie. And yet it's the kind of thing that would be overplayed and be overdone and, and terrible in the second or third movie. Um, mm. And I think you can say that about a lot. Like I mentioned up top, I think Ned Beatty's performance could quite easily have gone into kind of Jar Jar Binks territory <laughs> if you weren't careful. But in the hands of a good writer and director, I actually genuinely find the character charming and kind of funny. <laughs> mm. um, is that just me or did you kind of feel the same way? I completely agree. I don't, I don't have much to say other than that. But yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Awesome. Um, what was I talking about? So yeah, the, the montage of scenes that's kind of... Um, there is one moment that I find absolutely hilarious that I can never quite believe is in this film every time I see it. But it's the moment where, and I don't know if you, you caught up on this, when um, Superman rescues the cat from the tree for the little girl who's, who's climbed up there. Um, yeah. And the little girl kind of goes back into her house and says... And she gets slapped. Yeah, the, I, she, audibly get slapped by a mum for lying and i was that like, was what? such a, a like, so ordinary scene and i thought <laughs> that's not going to be brought back upon is there's going to be no emotional beats to it. so like a slap one second day at transition and we never hear from it again i thought that could have been played on a bit more but i was like that was really weird it's one of those things that you often get in those old movies though where there's something that's so incongruous and over the top that i find it so hilarious because it's so out of nowhere and so like <laughs> what did they do that what oh michael's supposed to be over here no 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 i'm not saying that absolutely not saying that by any means it's just it's such an unexpected moment it's like um anyway but yeah so i, I like the montage of scenes with superman sort of saving the cat and then again the humor which which works for me of kind of the guy not believing his uh, police colleague and then the entire ship is just deposited in front of the police station, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, if, if you're going to have a character like Superman, you've got to do that. But um, I would be remiss to not talk about my mum's favourite scene because we discussed this film in length because the, the reason that I perhaps am so fond of it is that I think it was her that showed me it for the first time. And it's mm. one of those films that every time we're kind of together as a family and it's on TV on bank holidays or whatever, we always watch it. And uh, she can, like me, she can talk about this film for ages. And when I mentioned we were reviewing it, she said you have got to talk about how amazing the helicopter rescue scene is. Um, yes. That's just breathtaking. And uh, again, she would have seen it at the time, at which point you've, again, viewing it from a 1978 lens, you've got to wonder how many people were just like, how the heck did they do that? That's so impressive. Um, but mm. I think even now, again, it really holds up and there's a real sense of danger and like what's happening. And even the iconic line of like, you've got me, who's got you kind of thing is... Uh, <laughs> Is so good. So, um, in terms of that particular set piece, what did uh, what did you think? It was really smooth. The, there was one moment that really stood out to me. It was like when the Superman was flying up to stop the uh, the helicopter flying down, and he picks up. It's a really smooth transition between the camera going down and then he stops it, and then it goes up slowly. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. It's so easy to mess that up from a directing point of view. But he just didn't, and it was so superb. Um, I, again, it's the it's probably the camera work, especially as well as the direction. I just think 
uh, agree. And then uh, in the very next scene after that, he stops um, a criminal from like going up the building, <laughs> yes. and then he drops him, and then he stops him falling down. Yeah, and I like just feel like again the co- the comedy beats in this. I'm I'm sure we'll get to Otis later. Yeah, yeah. it's just great, great comedy. I, I always thought that scene of him that the burglar climbing up and then Superman just being like rigidly kind of just hey. balancing. Um, I always thought that was an homage, and I'm not sure if it is to the 1960s Batman series where um, you constantly had Batman and Robin like scaling a wall and then random celebrity guests would pop out of a window and just look at them <laughs> like and I was like is that just but again it might not be but to me I always looked at it that way but um I can imagine it would be yeah yeah possibly in terms of the actual helicopter scene though I have got to mention how iconic it has become um the, the dialogue at the very end where sort of Superman says I hope this experience hasn't put any of you off flying statistically speaking it's still the safest way to travel uh, is that true apparently so yeah i mean um if you believe statistics the least safe way to travel i think is by car <laughs> just by the number of accidents, there are so many of them yeah um but yeah it's kind of it's become such an iconic moment in line that in superman 4 uh christopher reeve again saves a subway full of people and it gets adapted to it hasn't put you i hope this hasn't put you off subway travel it's a safe way to travel but then the other example that I think it, of how reverent this film is is that when Superman Returns got made by a director who I shan't mention, um, that there's a, literally the exact scene beat for beat and with no shame. Um, Superman rescues a plane with Lois Lane on it, uh, lands it safely, and then walks into the plane and says, word for word, I hope this experience hasn't put any of you off flying. Statistically speaking, it's the safest way to travel. And then once again, Lois Lane just looks at him flying away and faints. And I was like, that is literally the exact same scene, which I think shows the uh, level of affection and how important little things like that in this movie have become. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And I'm, I'm pleased to hear that you had liked it as well, because I wasn't sure if it was, like, dated now or anything. But, yeah. Oh, absolutely not. And I think... Um... The green screen, and again, I won't say CGI anymore because you put me in my place earlier. Uh, the green yeah. screening was yeah. fantastic, and just um, when they'd have to duck because the uh, the propeller goes through the window, that yeah. holds up so well. It, it's a great scene, and the way yeah. that you utilize the lights of the helicopter, it kind of disorientates me as a viewer. And I think yes. that the way they do that is great. I remember and I think that was the original, the intended uh, vibe they went for it as well. Oh, completely. I remember, like I said, um, every time I've watched this with my mum to date, and again, it must be about 50 times, every single time she winces and can't look at the scene when the camera just shows Lois's shoe falling from a great height. And she's like, oh, no, it's, I'm terrified of heights. I don't like it. And I was like, that's really impressive when you think that she obviously isn't, like, that's going to be on a soundstage somewhere with a green screen. That's not like, they're, they're not going to have hung the actress Margot Kidder off the side of a building. But it absolutely does make you feel like, oh, crap, man, that's too far down. I don't like it kind of thing. Um, yeah. Which, again, you've got to give props for 1978 that they were able to do anything remotely decent, let alone this level of great special effects. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. But um, speaking of what we were talking about before, um, I wanted to also briefly get into the actual main villain of the movie, which is Lex Luthor, uh, played, mm. by, played by Gene Hackman, and his two sidekicks, Otis, uh, played by the, the late <laughs> Ned Beatty. Uh, and... And Miss Eve Tessmacher. Um, so before I get into any thoughts, what were your thoughts on the, the trio of evil? <laughs> okay, so I take back what I said earlier about the first 30 minutes being my favorite. Every single scene with this trio was just uh, superb. I love Otis, and I'm not just saying this because the actor has passed away and it's very sad, but just generally he is so hilarious. 
and I, I was gutted yesterday when it, I found out that he had passed away because he was such a good talent. And even in the scenes where he wasn't, he didn't have anything to say, he was still making his present known. And I think that's just a great thing an actor can do uh, as opposed to just standing in the background doing nothing. This guy had the facial expressions to just go along with his um, body language and it was so great. And then one the three moments that uh, stand out for me is where he gives uh, Lex the um, robe when he's still standing in the water. I love that <laughs> Next time put my robe on after I get out of the water. They just yeah. have a, solid, a minute and a half conversation while they're just in the water and I just yeah. think, are they going to address this or is this just like an, a, a production error where they've just messed up and i thought surely not and then they just do add the uh they mention that at the end uh, yeah. make sure you come over everyone after we exit the port and i just thought he mentioned it that's perfect that was in the script great and that's then also degree, yeah. sorry scene where um oh he moves the ladder it's like oh m oh <laughs> it's, just here. it's just super and he hangs on no, and m n for nitwit <laughs> nincompoop <laughs> and l like for ladder <laughs> yeah absolutely i mean uh it, there's the old saying isn't that dying's easy uh comedy's hard and it is it, it's often uh, people complain that you know comedy doesn't get recognition at award shows and stuff because it's really hard to pull off comedy in any kind of way that doesn't come off as ridiculous and in a way that, again, you're talking about a movie that's from 1978 and it made you laugh the first time you watched it now. Uh, and it's not even a comedy movie. <laughs> so, um, it says a lot about, I think, the actors involved. Um, what did you think mm. of um, of Gene Hackman who as Lex Luthor? Great villain, um, especially at the end. Again, it's another comedic scene uh, mm. where he kind of just rips off his wig and then yes. he gives like this little speech. Uh, but these walls, and then it, it was just it's these walls and something like that. I just, it I won't. just they won't, they won't. Damn it, honest, would you shut up? <laughs> but throughout yeah. his just persona was very villainy, and I, I guess he he did that really well, and also the comedy, like the Lincoln Poop stuff. I never once thought. This guy cannot do comedy. Like I'm, I'd be surprised if this guy hasn't done comedy. Um, he actually hasn't. I mean, Gene Hackman's think... renowned as kind of a hard man actor, and I think Lex is kind of the only time he's veered into a little bit of more of a comedic side of it. Like it's not obviously trying to be comedic on his part. He yeah. just kind of plays off Otis very well, and that kind of links into one of my notes earlier, where her chemistry was superb. And I just think yes. without Le uh, without Otis, you don't have Lex, and vice versa, uh, mm. because you can't say much about one without saying anything about the other. And again, this links perfectly into another one of my favorite moments between them uh, was when Lex says to Otis, uh, the, the number 200, you know what that resembles between us. And then it just says, you'll wait in my IQ. And I just burst out laughing. It's so funny. <laughs> it's so great. Every one of the lines is either a comedy singer or it's like it's become so famous because I remember the amount of times I've heard people quote, uh, what is it? Some people can read War and Peace and think it's a simple adventure story. Some people can read the ingredients on a chewing gum wrapper and unlock the secrets of the universe. It's it's a line of dialogue that's from this movie that's been quoted in so many things I've seen. And I'm like, such profound, weirdly like uh, impactful writing just for like random scenes for a, a villain guy, you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, to, I will get to Miss Tasmaka later, I'm sure. <laughs> but I wanted to say, what what did you actually think of Lex's like evil plan in the movie? Were you able to follow it? Because I noticed a lot of it gets explained in the extended it's, versions. But... 
this was the one of the points earlier because I earlier when I said some things don't get explained, I don't think I expect. Ironically, I didn't explain that well enough, um, <laughs> just because I don't have my notes with me. But I, this was in my notes. It's like the plan was explained, but it wasn't explained. Like I get, I get the point. Like this is the thing. He explains his plan really yeah. obtusely. He was like, "This is what I'm going to do." how are you going to stop it you are in my layer i control this place you can't do anything about it but i'm still going to tell you absolutely everything what yeah. they don't really explain to me is why the bloke brought all of the empty desert like yes they make one or two reference to it oh, and no, you no, actually see the the reference they, yes they explained it but i still didn't understand it until i actually saw the conclusion and i thought okay i now see what that was for but i think just think it wasn't explained clearly to me and as you said some of it was probably ex uh, explained in the extended version and just because i didn't yeah. watch that version i felt left behind kind of with that whole yeah. subplot bits and pieces of that i think are explained in the different versions but there's also i mean in, in every version there's that scene that i think you're supposed to really pick up on again not to just disagree with you i'm not just arguing but um the scene where he kind of explains that <clears throat> excuse me, the, the current kind of West Coast, uh, LA, California, etc., would disappear. And so what would now be worthless land would suddenly become the new West Coast. And that's when you get the cool scene of the overlay of all the things. And it's like Costa del Lex and Lexburg. And then like Otisburg has been scribbled on in black marker pen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you yeah. get that great scene of uh, Lex. Oh, that was superb. Otisburg? What's, what's this? Um, yeah. But, and it lasts for like a good 30 seconds. It's like, please, can I have it? And he just says, Otisburg? That's why I put it off. I'm just going to find it. <laughs> I mean, Miss yeah. Tesmak had got a place. It's just a little bitty place, you know. But uh, uh. yeah, it's so good. And, and that's the kind of, that's your explanation is that like, with California gone, the place that would just be desert is now effectively the richest place in the world because it is the new version of that. But Lex has bought all the land, uh, which they don't explain in anything other than the three-hour cut. But there's scenes that I saw for the first time yesterday when I watched it where it literally shows Lois interviewing Native American people about how Lex has bought their land because they don't have any water or anything. So they're like really poor and he's offering them to them ridiculous good amounts of money. So that's how he's been able to kind of buy up the land and where it comes from. And there's even mm. a, this is the one thing I will say that I think adds to the movie, because there's another scene at the end where when Superman's doing kind of all the saving things from the earthquake, there's a scene where he has to make a makeshift dam and divert like a, a river away, um, which yeah. it, it, you just see that happening in, in most versions. But in the extended version, you see that that water flows back over to the kind of the Native American reservation. Um, and then mm. for the first time, they're like, we've actually got water and there's whole scenes of them like swimming and bathing and horses drinking the water and stuff. And it's kind of it's just like an extra added layer of, oh, that's yet another way that Lex Luthor was foiled and Superman did a good deed without even realizing, you know. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I do like that bit, but it's the only bit I think that really adds anything to the to the uh, to the extended versions. Um, oh, OK, was it worth watching that one, would you say? it's worth having like i said because i'm an uber fan but the fact that i know that even the director like there's a disclaimer even before it comes on that says it's not the director's preferred vision uh and he, oh, okay. sort of, he agrees that like a, you know the stuff was cut out for a reason um and like i said i think that there's only that one kind of little brief runner about the kind of native american stuff that i would say adds anything um i was mm. aware of what the other scenes were there's some stuff with you know lex has angry pets that he calls babies that he makes Otis feed and stuff and it's like it, it's broader comedy that I don't think 
you need it doesn't add anything and there are so many random additional scenes in metropolis that it really makes the film drag and it screws up the pacing um because again knowing the movie i just wanted to get to the part where i was like oh there's an earthquake and superman has to again do all the saving of the the bus full of school kids and jimmy olsen and uh you know everyone else but doesn't get to lois in time um so yeah i love that scene i remember as as a kid one of those random scenes that always stuck in my head from from seeing it at far too young of an age but was always the uh superman school bus rescue which is such a small moment but in my head was always like a massive part of the film because i just think i remembered it like wow i can't believe this is something i'm seeing it must be real and uh, there must be a hero like doing the kind of things and uh i mean obviously it isn't it's special effects but i just remember being so impressed with that brief like two minutes at the time um mm. So yeah, what did you think about the kind of when the earthquake happens and Superman has to go around doing all this other saving stuff? Did did you think that was good or or not? Yeah, at that point where you're like, well, we're doing this again. <laughs> no, I actually prefer this time over the second. It was, so when he was chasing after the rockets uh, that yeah. were going to explode, that was actually some again some really impressive CGI. But I just thought, come on, go faster than it. Why are you so slow? But then um, I yeah. think there's some really cool editing bits here. Uh, where they mask the mountain over the uh, the missile, or they put the missile behind the uh, behind the mountain, like he's following it, and then it goes to the left of the mountain, whereas Superman goes to the right. Yeah, and then it, uh, I just thought, yeah, I would struggle to do that as a media student nowadays. So the fact that you did this 42, 43 years ago with some really mm-hmm. tough editing software, I'm sure, or some really what do you call it? It's well, not even like I said. They, they didn't even have anything like that back then. They, they, when you look exactly. at the way that it's done, it's because there's no computers. There's no such thing as like computer software yeah. to do these kinds of things. So I think that's what makes it all the more impressive is that you do. You have a tendency now, um, not just you. I mean, the, the general viewer has a tendency now to look at things and think, "Oh, well, it's done with computers, it's CGI." Um, mm. But again, you watch a film made before, like I don't know, 1988 or 89. And it's like they didn't have that, so they've had to do that all practically in one way or another, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. the, 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 the scene that impressed me the most out of this whole sequence was the dam uh being burst, yeah. That, that was just superb. I was like, holy crap, I am on the edge of my seat. This is intense. I have goosebumps. Genuinely, it was fantastic. That's good because I always felt that way, but again, it, it's always a little bit like, am I biased because I was very young when I first saw this? And at the time, I remember this being the more thrilling part, like I said. But talking about, because we, we have to get kind of get into the the emotional beats of it, which is, um, and so we have to talk about your favorite character, Miss Tessmacher. So what did you think of the actress? And did you like the idea that she basically proves to be the foil to Superman because she has her change of heart about, I don't want anything to happen to my mom and you have to promise me that you'll save her first. And that's ultimately what scuppers superman from being able to save lois in the end uh, what did you think of all that again uh that's the only thing you can really say about her because that's all she really is there for there's not much else uh she's given so i think it's definitely a wasted character i think if we're talking about emotional beats there's some really nice stuff earlier in the film when it is about his father and separating from his mother that really yes. uh, hit home for me personally not like as a personal it hasn't happened to me personally just the general but i can em- emphasize absolutely and uh those were done much better like again i think it's just um uh, me being a millennial i want or like a murray gold fan i just want some really good music to get hit home some emotions oh, and like well. 
some yeah. the music wasn't the best during these oh, scenes. I, couldn't, like, I could not disagree with you more on oh, that okay. one. <laughs> no, no, don't get me wrong. That. Music is fantastic, generally. Um, it gave me a strong... Again, this came before Indiana Jones, but uh, it's very similar to Indiana Same Jones. So, yeah, who oh, is it? Yeah, John Williams, okay. uh, Star Wars, okay. Indiana Jones, every Spielberg movie. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense now. But yeah. what I'm just trying to say is some scenes, and again, the morality shift kind of, where she realizes that her, yeah. um, was it her father that was trapped? Her mom, like, she says, um, the, the missiles, because of Otis's mucking up, the missile is heading for Hackensack, New Jersey, and that's mm. where her mother lives. And Lex is very much like, oh, I don't care. You know, she's not going to live Maybe. there for long. <laughs> maybe it wasn't uh, the music. Maybe it was just the camera angles. I think it could have dwelled on some close-ups more, just to get her genuine reaction, as yeah. opposed to saying Superman drowning. Like, yes, Superman drowning is impactful, but like we had a high shot of Superman with his face out of water for a solid twenty seconds, and I just thought yeah. we could see her reaction to this a bit more. You know what I mean? Yeah, and there is a little bit more of that, I think, in the extended scene because I did see a lot okay. more of that, but. At the same time, it also emphasizes that she she makes a point of saying in the extended version she's only doing it and she would be happy to let it go ahead if it wasn't for her mother, which I was like, oh, I could have done without that scene because that kind of ruins any semblance of a redemption arc for her. Um, yeah. So I can see why they cut that to being like, no, it's all gone too far. And I, I get why they focus on Superman because it's like, how's he going to get out of being, you know, pinned down by a, a chain of kryptonite kind of thing? Yeah. Um but yeah, so I, I get what you're saying, though, that Dick Paps could have done that scene a little bit differently. But um, I, I do like, like I said, that that's kind of, it's understanding the character of Superman, the whole idea of, even though it's it's not technically true, like, I can't lie, so he wouldn't just say, okay, I'll save your mum first and not do it, because that wouldn't be in the character. But again, th there's people that argue that's, that's ultimately his weakness. It isn't kryptonite, it's his humanity and his kind of, uh, mm. his being a bit of a boy scout i think it's how most people put it when they want to view the character negatively but it's what i've always responded to about the character and always loved personally um so i, yeah. I completely uh i i don't agree with that being a flaw i, I get when and I, I yeah, saw your message yesterday um about that being a criticism i was like really i again it comes back to the criticism i had earlier the only criticism i have when it comes to the character really is i think you said it was explained but just why he was so uh, he had he was such like a teenager in one scene but then his father comes up and then it's all of a sudden he's completely different and i just think a few more scenes in there to really flesh that out could be so yeah. much better i mean you're not wrong in the regard that the producers of this movie made a superboy tv series for four seasons and then mm. separately in the year i think 2000 it started smallville ran for 10 seasons and that is literally just about milking Clark's development from kind of regular teenager to Superman for okay. all that you can. But again, I think the movie just basically had to try to be as economical with time as it could be. So it very much yeah. is just like Jarrell telling him, okay, this is your 12 years. Plus another thing I wanted to get into is, and I don't know if you noticed this, that um, people, a lot of people claim that the story of Superman is just basically the Bible story of Christ, of Jesus. Um, and that, that that kind of 12 years is, is Jesus' 12 years of wandering in the desert, but it's actually Jor-El sort of like sending Superman through the galaxy in a mental sense. Um, and, you know, the, it's no coincidence that Superman's 30 when he comes out to the world, and that's when sort of Jesus became known in the Bible and was crucified. And, you know, even down to Jor-El being like, I, I sent my only son to Earth to show them they could be better kind of thing, um, mm. which is, is weird, and I can completely see where people are coming from with that analogy. But it's worth 
pointing out that it, there's some irony in the fact that the character of Superman and all those ideas were written by two famously Jewish authors um, who hmm. completely denied that there was any of that subtext in the idea of Superman that they had written. Um, but I do think you can't really Again, deny it. Was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you can deny it in terms of this movie. I don't know if it, what the director or producers would say, but I certainly picked up on a lot of that allegory anyway. Um, mm. So, yeah. And uh, just to move to the very end then, uh, the perhaps controversial thing that I think a lot of people have problems with, which is that Lois dies and Superman learning from not being able to save his father and uh, having found this love eventually just completely screams to the heavens and flies out and spins around the world so fast that time itself reverses and uh, everything's fine and he's able to save Lois. Isn't so. this uh, possible? This is, I remember a lesson about this, John GCSEs. Maybe it was in my just teacher just being an idiot. That is possible if you reach a certain speed. So I, I kind it's of... Been, it's been debunked a few times. And I mean, when you think about it, changing the way the earth spins isn't going to change time it doesn't really mm. make a whole lot of sense um but I, I always regarded it more as kind of again i was a kid when i saw it so i never questioned it i just thought oh well i, I guess maybe that would happen if the earth spanned backwards because it's never gonna happen you know what i mean but yeah uh, yeah the more you think about it the more it doesn't hold up all that well but again i would counter it's more of a maybe my teacher was on drugs well I, I think people used to believe it that's the thing and again you've got to remember how many years have passed between it i think at the time it was kind of like one of these theories that people had about things and i mean there's lots of moments like that in the film where all of a sudden i mean they, they say that krypton was destroyed thousands of years ago and superman's been through all kinds of dimensions and stuff and and can grow to almost like four years or something inside of the space pod there's a lot of like yeah we're just gonna hand wave it away as like it's bizarre intergalactic science you don't understand just go with it yeah. you know um but it never bothered me really as a kid because it's not really what the film's about so I just I just went with it. Um, one, but what, what, one problem I had with the scene, it wasn't so much about the earth spinning. It was afterwards because I was like, okay, you've reversed time and you've saved her from the car. But what about all the other stuff? There was still an earthquake. There were still boulders rolling down the hill. Well, Where are these boulders? Yeah. It's, it's implied that basically he was able to do things fast enough. Um, <laughs> I think when, when he reversed time, how i don't know again it's one of those things where yeah because it's happened you just kind of have to go with it um what sells me i think on the scene more than anything is how dang impressive christopher reeve is at superman's just scream like primal scream of uh anger and rage when lois when he realizes that lois has died and he wasn't able to get there and that was shocking yeah that was shocking. it was so good though it, it was really powerful yeah um and again the decision to kind of have it might have been cheesy to some people, but it wasn't to me to kind of have Jarrell and Jonathan Kent appear to him almost in the clouds and have Jarrell like, you shall not interfere. And then Jonathan saying, you're here for a reason. Uh, yeah, and, and, and it was it was very like small in terms, in the sense of you really had to be looking for the eyes and the mouth to notice yeah. that the, the projection was less obvious. And I think how they worked it into the cloud was superb. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, again, that reinforces the themes, I think, of, of what the film's trying to say really well. Um, but yeah, so, so you didn't mind the kind of spinning the earth backwards thing then for the first time? I noticed it. Yeah. And I thought, that's a bit stupid compared to some of the other stuff. The other really good beats this film hit. Uh, this wasn't one of those bits. Um, but I didn't really have a problem with it that apparently some other people do. So yeah. I'm not I one of those people. It, 
I don't think I would say that uh, I would argue I don't think it takes you out of the film or anything. It's it's not fantastic and it's very much like we needed a conclusion and this is what we have. But again, because I was so young and because it's so famous now, I just go with it. <laughs> I think it's just because it's like it's like a romance uh, B plot, you could say, or yeah. a subplot. Or it, it technically is the whole plot. It's like this man saves the world, but then he's got this female sidekick uh, that he falls in love with. That is pretty much the plot to. 90 percent of um, yeah. the media uh, yeah, yeah. so of course you're going to have this kind of redemption arc at the end you have to end a film or you don't have to but again 90 percent of films end on some really nice um uh, love stuff and yeah. of course you're gonna have to have something like this as opposed to her dying even though i think if she did die and him screaming and flying up and then it got into black at the end at the end instead of just going around the earth again that could have been really impactful and it could have led to a sequel really well but again i do well, think the end let it down slightly i i, I see what you're saying and i, I actually do agree um but i've mm -hmm. I've, I've always countered with like the, the whole point is that it's superman finding his purpose and he almost defies Jarrell's like don't interfere and goes with his human sides like you know do it for love kind of thing and yeah perhaps the method of of how he changes things is stupid but you could quite easily have written in something just as hokey like um oh there's a crystal in the fortress that will turn back time by exactly one day uh and, and you can use that if you want to and it's just you don't understand it because it's an alien thing uh and it would be mm. no it would be no less ridiculous but i think people would be more accepting of it so i don't mind yeah. that they, they don't use anything like that i did want to quickly make one final note about how dang impressive i thought the music was for me it's john williams best score even over the likes of star wars and indiana jones which are a lot of people would probably yeah a lot of people would say star wars and yes i get it there's a lot of iconic stuff but for, for, just because of the impact it has on me emotionally i think the, the score from this film and in particular the superman theme are just breathtakingly good mm. um but uh yeah we, we'll get to another film which happens to spoiler alert have a john williams score that i also think is vastly underrated later on in the podcast but uh, i'll mm. say no more about that uh so did were you as equally impressed by the musical or not really uh well of course superman the superman theme is iconic so of course oh. i've heard it before and um i've never heard it in the context of a movie before so actually listening to it with some visuals was uh so thrilling for me and i i did enjoy it even though it does sound a tiny bit dated i do think the dress um not the dress park um the indiana jones soundtrack does hold up a lot better in terms of it's, it sounds more modern to me oh. maybe it's just because of the remastered version they did for crystal skull um it just sounds a bit clearer for me um, <coughs> but yeah or maybe it's just the version maybe sky cinema compressed it but it, it didn't sound particularly good and uh, particularly the great should i say it sounded fine um nothing spectacular and that's why i would disagree and say it's not the best musical score um out that he's done because i would say against those star wars fi films i have watched um the music is just fun his music's fantastic i'm not gonna dispute i'm not gonna say this is bad this isn't bad it's good um but it just sounds a bit dated for me in terms of compression not the actual soundtrack because it's iconic i love it but it just sounded a tiny little bit too compressed and grainy for me when listening to it on my really good may, quality tv that may have just been the version that sky cinema or whoever you watched it put out because um i don't think it's dated at all i mean they're still using it in kind of the background of superman and supergirl shows and stuff now Then again I mean, it's probably a remastered version yeah possibly uh anyway so did you have any last thoughts before i go into uh audience opinions and then just our kind of brief 
if we want to review uh, and see if it's a hit or a miss or whatever. I did, I did have a conclusion, but um, of course, the notes. Yeah, it's just so annoying. So, uh, again, I'll just probably say he'll miss and I'll give my scores at the end. So, okay, I don't well, have a conclusion. I don't have any thoughts other than what I've said. So, however you want to do this. Fair enough. Um, well, I wanted to briefly go over uh, just some things. I've mentioned kind of, I think, you can extrapolate my feelings and the likes of my mum's feelings, I think, about this film and everything. But I did want to go over some things that were said because I did put out um, Facebook and Twitter messages asking people for their thoughts on the movie. Um, Twitter was just a poll that I'll get to at the end. But um, in terms of Facebook friends, uh, Julian Gabriel Clark, who was the first to comment, said, Awful, a cult movie in its own right, though. Terrible acting and even worse story. Couldn't disagree more. I don't understand what film he was watching if he thought the acting was bad. Story, maybe bits of it, but yeah. Um, so I said, kind of, I think you're in the minority. I, I've not heard that take. Mm. And then he said his biggest issue was Superman can fly so fast he can rotate the Earth. And I thought, well, that's, that's you know, that, it's a nitpick. And it's it, I don't think you can write off the entire movie or say that's got anything to do with bad acting or whatever. But, you know, right to respond, he had his opinion. Um, my, on the other hand, Pam Hughes said, I always loved this movie. Of all of them, I think it's still my favorite. Yes, you have to suspend disbelief and go with it. But surely that's the same for every sci-fi thing ever. Um, yeah. Mike Mike Lord said, aside from the ending, which stretches credibility even for a comic book movie, this is a brilliant movie. Reeve is the definitive Superman and the subtle differences as he switches from Clark to Kal-El and back are a masterclass in playing a dual role, which uh, I think we've already agreed with. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Richard Bins says, great film, love this, and Superman 2. Fantastic stories to both of them and perfect casting. Rest in peace, Ned Beatty, who played sidekick Otis, another wonderful actor lost, which, again, we've uh, we've discussed. But, yeah, a, a good performance in the movie. Um, and finally, Roger Saunders on Facebook says, top marks. Yes, it is dated, but it's still a great movie. Uh, yeah. And I couldn't, uh, I couldn't uh, disagree with any of that. I think, yeah, it's great. <clears throat> Just quickly, the poll we put out on Facebook, nobody really commented with any thoughts on the movie, which I kind of hope they might. But um, mm. if, I, if I can get it up here on Twitter, how do I do this? The Facebook poll on Twitter. Good job, Mike. Oh, sorry, I meant the Twitter poll. <laughs> I, <was thinking. laughs> um, so, I thought that was what you were on about, and then you said Facebook. I was like, hmm, I, I didn't, didn't put want a poll on it. Facebook. So no, nobody yeah. really said anything, but we did put out a poll, or I did, that said, out of curiosity, what would you rate this film out of five stars? Uh, so 18% of those who responded said 2.5 or less, which I can't usually understand. 27% of people said 3 or 3.5. Uh, 18% of people also said 4 or 4.5. But the majority of people, 36%, said 5 stars out of 5. Um, mm. So, yeah, a bizarre range of, uh, of thoughts and opinions, I think. But since nobody really commented with their reasoning, we can't extrapolate much other than there's some people that love it and maybe some that hate it. So, um, yeah. It's yeah, uh, very mixed. Very weirdly mixed, but yeah. I mean, I, I've, again, I can't really um, overemphasize the importance of the film to me. Um, just want to double check. Yeah, there's a couple of things I haven't briefly mentioned that um, I don't know if your version had the scene where a, a young Lois Lane sees Clark running by the train um, and then kind of turns to her parents and says, oh, there's a guy running faster than the train and her parents tell her to just shut up and read a book. Basically, um, no, I didn't see that. It was just the car, the car going past. Well, maybe in one of the uh, one of the other versions then. But there's a scene anyway where that happens, and um, it's a nice scene. But it's also good because it contains a cameo by as Lois's parents. 
Kirk Allen and Noel Neal, who were one of the first actors to play Superman and the actual first actress to play Lois Lane back in the 40s. <clears throat> I think they're yeah. both sadly passed now, but it was a good little homage to get them in there and, and to kind of uh, shout out to the past because there's been Superman stuff for a long time. So <clears throat> I also wanted to also mention that apparently I found out for the first time yesterday that um, all the scenes of young Clark Kent in Smallville are dubbed over by Christopher Reeve. And the actor, apparently, who plays him, Jeff East, was really miffed about this for a while. I genuinely didn't notice this at all. I didn't um, notice that even now. No. Uh, and, yeah, I think that's more or less all that I had, other than to say that, yeah, if, if you enjoyed this film, I highly recommend, at the very least, both versions of Superman 2. There's others out there, Superman 3, Superman 4, Superman Returns, and Man of Steel, BBS, etc. <clears throat> but, yeah, so... Just quickly then, did you want to give your um, final summing up thoughts and your yep. score? And we're going to do this film reviewer style and say score out of five stars. So of course I do not have my conclusion with me, but I do have my score. Um, so instead I'm going to opt for a letterboxed review from Matthew Whelan, who's going to be on the Hill, um, on the Spin the Wheel podcast nice. um, in coming weeks. So this is his review on of um, Superman 1978. I presume it's a review you agree with. You're not just reading it out at random. <laughs> I am reading it out at random and hoping oh. it's good. <laughs> but it's, it's the same score as I would give it anyway. So um, here is his review. Superman is a product of his time in that in that it's a film that was made on the technology of its time and the movie absolutely reflects that it's still a fantastic film though it's got such heart with the way it expresses characters emotions especially through the eyes of clark if you par if you pardon the x-ray vision pun <laughs> <laughs> uh for the moment Reeves put on that ridiculously campy costume he owned the uh, he owned the role of clark kent and made it truly his own he's a joy to watch in this movie completely agree the story is a bit up and down and doesn't feel all that strong and the resolution takes away from any real stake the plot might have had otherwise, which I, I kind of get, but I don't think it takes away from anything. I think it's just a bit of a naff ending. Yeah. It could have been better, I, I would say. I get that it's mostly about introducing Reeves' take on the character along with building up a world for future installments and it's fun and it's easy, but it's not necessarily what people look for in a Superman movie, but maybe it's just me, of course, Matt's perspective. Um... Obviously, as I say, it's a product of his time, which is reflected in the special effects and CGI. Oh, God, Michael's going to give you a dust thumb for saying <laughs> CGI, which tends to range from passable to absolutely god-awful and completely I, unconvincing. I don't see any of it as god-awful or unconvincing. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> I think there was, some there was definitely some bad CGI. I wouldn't say god-awful, though. Again, it's a product of his time. You have to maybe, be... Some maybe it's just because I've watched so much, like... Um... 60s stuff. 70s Doctor Who. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, oh, okay. Yeah. Compared to that, <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not that far uh, from it. You know. Uh, bear in mind, Star Wars was just again going at the same time. This was released, and it had bare SFX and CGI on a budget that was only one. Yeah, but I bet you only watched this. the '90s version of Star Wars, though. So I would counter that. <laughs> okay, a ropey story and bad CGI, but a fun movie with lots of heart and a fantastic interpretation, interpretation should I say, of the character on the part of Christopher Reeve and director Richard Donner. And I would concur with his four stars out of five. Right. Um, so were you just happy to, to piggyback on his review and you've said four out of five? I, I think for the most part, I agree with that. <clears throat> Fair enough. Um, yeah, well, I've, I've mentioned this, the importance of this film to me as well. So... 
<clears throat> just mm. to reiterate though it's it's a film that's impacted me greatly i think the writing is some of the best lines of dialogue impact me daily um i love the story because i love the story of superman and the character and this was my introduction to it i do think it remains the best superman film i don't think it means that it can't ever be topped the sad thing is that i think it just means that nothing that's followed up has come close to it which is a shame uh hopefully one day we'll eventually get there but you know, I'm sure there'll be some Zack Snyder fans who'll disagree with me, but <clears throat> that's a discussion for another day. <clears throat> so, yeah, I, I love, I can't shout out enough the writing. I think the direction by Richard Donner is flawless. He's a fantastic director. Again, if you haven't seen them, check out things like The Goonies or Lethal Weapon or um, numerous other films he directed. Um, I, I think he's, uh, and something I did fail to mention is that um, he was so committed to making this film believable that he, he, had a sign up when they were making the film on the on the production board that just said the word verisimilitude which just means finding reality in something like he didn't want to play it as just fantastical or ridiculous and again it's mm. no coincidence that the very first lines of the film are Jorel saying this is no mere fantasy like he didn't want to look down on it the way sci-fi was often looked down on and he wanted it to feel real and i think he succeeded in that vision <clears throat> Again, the acting, Christopher Reeve, Margot Kidder, even I like Marlon Brando's supposedly phoned-in performance. Even the background actors are great. Um, the action and the special effects are flawless, especially for 1978. The scenes are iconic. But as an objective reviewer, I kind of have to admit that there are issues. I don't love the ending either. And there's mm -hmm. things that, I've, that we've mentioned that kind of that you can't necessarily ignore. <clears throat> Along with that, I do think the pacing is perhaps a little bit slow for modern audiences. Um, if I, I was I, watching it now, if I am a modern audience member, and for me at least, I didn't see this as a problem at all. The pacing was fine for me. Fair enough. Um, in that case, yeah, that's cool. I'm glad to hear it, but it's just maybe it's my lack of faith in kind of millennial. Oh, uh, fair enough. Yeah, that makes but, sense. Um, but um, yeah, for me, I just worry that it's a bit too slow when you're. Oh, perhaps it's because I've seen kind of the subsequent insane sort of superman just destroying a city of Zack snyder it's, it's so adhd compared to this um that you know but again i think it's a product of its time so some of it hasn't dated great there are a couple of plot holes and yeah the ending is kind of silly so i can't say it's perfect but just it, for sheer virtue of all the things that i've praised already and how important the film it is to me i can't go less than 4.5 stars out of five so that's what Fair i would superman the movie it's still one of my favorite movies and frequently if i make lists of top 10 movies it's in there because it's just a really important movie to me um, i must say i was i in, in terms of personal enjoyment i would definitely go for a 4.5 but i just looked at my notes earlier and i just thought there is a lot here not a lot but there is a sizable amount of notes that are kind of nitpicked so i thought i can't say it's near uh perfect because it's not like these do mount up uh, that's why I did fall back on a four. It's a really good film, really, really good. Uh, but I just think it would be, I can't say with an honest heart, it's like a five out of five just because of the problems that we both agree with. That's fair enough. And and the only reason that I was, if you want to say as high as 4.5, and I was toying with five was, like I said, the impact of all the things that I have said. Because I don't think you can find a flaw in any of the performances, really, no. or any of the writing in terms of dialogue fair enough the actual overall plot and story maybe um but yeah and then the, the direction again I, I can't find very much to fault if anything so and again like i said just for being sheerly 
sheer impactful as, as one of the films that got me loving movies and loving this character and comic books and everything and being a, 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 a cornerstone in the nerd that is me. <laughs> uh, I, I couldn't really go lower, but in any case, we've given our scores, and so that obviously comes to an average of 4.25 out of five stars, which I would say pretty dang impressive. <laughs> There's not going to be many yeah. complaints about that. So, um, mm. yeah. So do we want to reveal what we'll be reviewing next week for the viewers, or should we keep it okay. a surprise? Uh, yeah, it is my first pick, and I'm just going to chuck this out there. We did spin a wheel. Um, I'm not sure if you could remember that when you said it at the start. We did spin a wheel. Uh, to decide what episodes we will be watching. So we went to our letterbox, picked out some movies. I think we picked out like 50 movies. We and then it. like 25 had to be good, 20 or like solid and up. And like and 25 had to be um, solid or down in terms of quality. And then we spun the wheel and then we got a general list. And then we whittled that down again. Somehow, like we decided on a short series. So we just thought, we cherry picked like six out of maybe like 15 movies that were spun. Yeah. So it very, we didn't like, we didn't pick these films no, per no. se. We spun a will and we come to the movie. So yeah, don't think we're just picking our favorite films and reviewing them. Uh, but it oh, is no, they'll, find, they'll find that out soon enough. Don't worry. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And again, as Mike says, four films out of the six we'll be reviewing in this leg uh, will be films that are good. Or higher, or that we think are good anyway. Or we think yeah. are good, yes. And two films we have chosen, uh, one each, where we thought, okay, that's not so good, and then we'll or, just go or, into or if it just has a reputation, I think, for being bad, you know? yeah. But um, yeah, and maybe just, it's like a free appraisal, maybe, yeah. But by, by just the look of the draw, it was so weird because again, we just had to give some of what we thought were our favorite films and some that we thought are really badly regarded films that we think were at least interesting to review and by exactly. sheer look of the sheer look of the draw i got arguably one of the best superhero movies of all time is captain phillips which is a big difference from this film it won, not in terms of the emotional beats because it's very uh, similar in that respect but just in terms of it goes from a really good um what you call it superhero film to a really good character drama if mm. that makes sense so oh. yeah, big difference. And, uh, <clears throat> there'll be a bit of a role reversal because that film I haven't actually seen. And so Will's introducing that to me the same way I introduced Superman to him. That one Will will take the lead on and uh, we'll get my thoughts on having viewed that film for the first time. Yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to to be honest. <laughs> There's something good about introducing your friends to, especially when you responded so well and... Uh, yeah. Again, for for the future, there's lots of Superman content that I could recommend to you and anybody else that's interested. Other than the movies, there is currently a TV show that just started called Superman and Lois that I thoroughly recommend. And there's numerous others, New Adventures of Superman, Adventures, a Smallville, as I mentioned, Superboy. There's lots of stuff out there if you're interested in this character. And of course, DC Comics has been publishing the comic for about 100 years. <laughs> so that's always out there as well. If you did uh, like this video, please do hit that subscribe button and do give us a comment of your thoughts on this movie and also some of our thoughts maybe. Do you agree or disagree what we have had to say in this um, episode? Tell us in the comments and I hope you stick around for the other episodes because we have some corkers and some stinkers coming up, but of course the episodes are going to be fantastic that we reviewed them on. So yeah, stick around. That's all I will say. Absolutely. And I'll just say yes. By, by all means, do also go and follow our other endeavor, which is the Doctor Who Spin the Wheel podcast which is just that name on YouTube. We're also putting out content over there. So if you're a Doctor Who fan, 
you can also hear us reviewing that. But uh, in the meantime, come back and join us next week. Bye, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.